Welcome to the Four Freedom Podcast. I found my freedom in you. I found a joy I can't lose. And thank God it's true. You wrapped your arms around me. And heaven broke through from the moment you found me. I found my freedom in you. This podcast exists bring the freedom of the gospel for everyday Christians with everyday issues. Now here are your hosts, James Saferick and Brett Martin. Welcome back to the Four Freedom Podcast. What a great time to be a part of the family of God. And uh, we're so glad that you're a part of the family of the Four Freedom Ministries. And uh, we are here to expose legalism and give hope and help through the gospel through Galatians 6.1. And so uh, for freedom, Christ has set us free, and uh, we are excited to have you here with us and a part of what we've got going on. We are in our uh, In the Church series and excited about going through this. Ben, Brett, we've had some uh, good feedback from our last week episode and uh, looking forward to this week and also next week with an interview and, uh, man, great interviews coming up and so excited about what we've got in the future. Uh, but, Brett, we are in the middle of um, – in, in the middle of – man, time is flying by. In the end of January, and uh, I don't know how the weather is where you're at, but we had 14-degree weather last week, uh, two weeks ago. And uh, we had 70-degree weather at the end of last week. And then today, this morning, I get up and it's 14 degrees again. So as you can hear from me, I'm congested, uh, weather's changing, allergies are coming back, my body doesn't know what's going on, whether it's spring or if it's summer, uh, but uh, man, it's been crazy. How are you guys doing? Are y'all staying healthy? Are y'all staying uh, good in y'all's end? Well, I tell you what, this uh, you're right about the weather. It's just going back and forth. It's just killer on the allergies. It's killer on the sinuses. Like I, I, a few weeks ago, I got over strep. And then as soon as I got over strep, I got another little virus that affected my inner ear. And then now I've got sinus issues. And on top of all that, you know, January is coming to a close. But another thing that's affecting me is my New Year's resolutions, which so far (laughs) I have been faithful to. I have been going to the gym every day, uh, lifting heavy weight to failure, um, really putting in the work there. Um, intermittent fasting, stop eating at three. And when I do eat, it's salad, you know, just try my best to get in shape, get healthy. Uh, got a lot of stuff I want to do. And if I want to put more mileage on this body, it's got to get right. Right, uh, right. I have just had a time trying to adjust. Uh, you know, I've, I, you know, I've had some, you know, headaches and whatnot. Of course, that's going to happen when you're, you change your whole, whole routine, your body's got to get used to, a a new way of living to get used to eating healthy and all that bad stuff that you used to eat. And so we're, we're, you know, working through that. And then like you said about the weather, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's uh, 30 degrees one day. And then the next week it's in the, right now it's in the sixties and, and another week it's, we're supposed to have another freeze come through and just that temperature changing uh, back and forth is just really heck on uh you know, our bodies and stuff. And so it is taking some getting used to. Yeah. I've, uh, if you've watched our live stream at all, which not, I'm sure most of us haven't, uh, I've, our music lady hasn't been there. And so I've been leading music and 
preaching and uh, this last week with congestion, man, I got to the end and I, I mean, I legitimately was like whispering almost. It felt like, cause I didn't have a voice left. Uh, voice was blown out. Um, I know my wife shared on Facebook. I, I play the bass and I enjoy it. It's a, it's a hobby of mine. I've played it since I was a teenager. Um, and so I, I don't go out and tell everyone I play the bass, but uh, I thought, you know, this week, cause I've been playing a little bit at the church, uh, just giving some extra sound there i thought you know i'm gonna play and lead at the same time i'm a, I'm a huge mark trimble quartet fan and uh, i've been a fan of mark trimble my whole life and so uh getting up there and having the bass and leading and singing uh it was just great and my wife snapped a picture of it and put it on facebook i'm like what are you doing uh, <laughs> but it was it was great man it was uh, it was fun to have it's fun to be in church man I, I just love when you can go to church have a good time and uh be uh, around people that love jesus uh, love each other and uh, it's just such a good atmosphere to be in and uh yeah, we, we had some visitors uh sunday and uh just had a great day and a great time and love nothing more than being in church you know yeah yeah uh outside of that before we get started super bowl's coming up we've got uh the chiefs and the 49ers and so we've got the the red bowl uh all about the old old uh Montana's teams playing against each other again. You got a prediction for that? Uh, man, I don't know. I think the winner of the Super Bowl is going to be Taylor Swift. Like, I know you're a Swifty. Oh, big and time. So, yeah. You know, really need to calm down. Back. So, you know, um, but uh, I don't know. I was, I was, you know, who I really wanted? I wanted the Lions to go. Oh, I did too. I wanted it so bad. Lions to be there. And before, up until halftime, man, I thought they had a shot. Man, that was that was a rough watch there that second half. I was watching video of that game, and as the Lions fans were walking up, leaving the stadium, the 49ers fans felt so bad for them that they were patting them on the back, and you know they were being nice to them, and they weren't getting in their face because um, even the 49ers fans were like, man, this is bad for them. But that's what I wanted. I wanted Chiefs and the Lions, but uh. I, you know, Taylor Swift decide, I think this, I think the chiefs might win. Yeah. So I, I think the 49ers are going to win. Okay. Uh, I think they're playing really good football, even though they had a horrible first half, there's something special going on at the 49ers right now. So I'm, I'm going 49ers. Um, uh, something about the lions. We'll share this. I know this has nothing to do with our podcast and you can skip forward two minutes if you want to. Uh, but the last time the Detroit lions won a playoff game on the road was in 1957. Ooh. Okay. And in 1957, they played the San Francisco 49ers. The lions trailed 24 to seven at the half. The lions did. Yeah. They stormed back to win the conference title and would go on to win the national championship that year, defeating the Browns 31 to 27. Wow. Okay. So they were down by 14, by 17, just like the 49ers were. 49ers come back in the second half. They came back. I mean, it was a repeat of 1957, almost to the exact score down to when they scored in each quarter. Wow. From the 1957. You can see that if you ever go to Wikipedia or whatever. But that popped up the other day on my newsfeed, and I was blown away. I'm like, dude, that is insane. Uh, yeah, to, 
if you're a Lions fan for life, you'd have known that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm a Dolphins fan. So, uh, yeah. So, well, Ben, we've got a, a lot of good things in our church. We've got a marriage conference coming up in the end of the 17th. Uh, in middle of uh, February. And so if you're in my neck of the woods, we'd love to have you be a part of it. It's free. We'd love to have you come out. Um, we've got the RFP meetup coming up in November uh, down in Catoosa. Excited about that. I hope you guys are already making plans, asking off work. Uh, we'd love to have you down there. And then, Brett, we are going back to Israel. One year ago today, this week, we were there. We were in the Holy it's, Lands. It's crazy going through my memories. Yeah. All the days that we were, because this whole week we were in Israel. And it's weird because you'll get half the the end of, because of the way that the days work, you'll get half of the end of one day and the beginning of the next day because I've got time hop on my phone. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's how, it, how it does. And so going back to these memories. Man, it just gives me a taste for it, and I want to. I mean, if it wasn't for this, we we'd already be we fixing it. You know, be over there in a couple of weeks. Um, but I'm just uh, it's just giving me an appetite to go back, man. I just can't wait. Yeah, we're uh, I'm so excited. I just just posted on our on my personal page about having an interest meeting, and already had a couple of people in our church say you know they're interested in going. And so we're looking at uh, having a great group when we go in March of 2025. And uh, so about 14 months away, plenty of time to start saving. Uh, If you're interested in going with us, man, we'd love to have you go. Uh, Our website will be active here real soon. It's so active. We just haven't shared the new link. Uh, We'd love for you to be a part of that and uh, to sign up to do it. So, uh, Brett, any other announcements, any other things we can uh, need to talk about to I think that's pretty much everything. You know, we've got a Katusa coming up for the sake of the gospel and then Israel. And I think that's just about all the announcements we've got to go. We're in our new series about being in the church, uh, freedom in the church. And uh, I'm I'm enjoying uh, before that we started recording. uh, Me and James talked through a couple of subjects that we're going to a couple of new subjects uh, we've added to the list. We've had several listeners contact us and suggest things and that's what we want you to do we want you to contact us uh we want your feedback if you've got if you've got an idea that you'd like to share with us feel free to share that idea um you know we we are we're always looking for input for our listeners uh so don't be afraid to contact us with that stuff but i am uh, I'm, i'm really liking the direction uh that this series is going to go yeah and and, you know it's it's been evolving a little bit as we began talking about it last year and began planning and praying about it uh it has evolved into almost the complete first half of the year so we we traditionally do uh from january to may and then we take the summer off june and july and then we do august to november and we take december off and so right now, Brett, as I'm looking at the schedule, we have everything lined out and except the last all of the weeks of May. So four weeks, we've got everything lined out except four weeks. So if there's four topics that you are thinking about that you'd like for us to do, let us know. We'll research them. We'll go through it. And uh, man, we'd love to have four more topics or two more topics with some interviews to fill out this entire calendar year and just go through things in the church. Uh, we're going to be talking about music, dress. Uh, translations, Bible versions, preaching styles, outreach, 
COVID. We're going to talk about COVID in the church, parachurch ministries, uh, service and structure, uh, just some great things that we're looking at. And so if you want to be a part of that, let us know, uh, help us out, and uh, we'd love to continue uh, on with that. And so with that being said, Brett, let's jump into today's topic, freedom in the church, talking about abuse. What is abuse? What? How does abuse uh, hurt us? How does abuse uh, in the church look like and work with? Uh, one verse that has stood out to my mind as I've been studying through this, uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Such a great verse. Great passage of scripture. Yeah, I'm going to read it. It says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, as it is written, for you, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet none of these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things come, things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we think about abuse, uh, one writer says that this is Satan's silent assassin. This is what Satan wants to do to destroy uh, our mentality. He wants to destroy us physically, emotionally, spiritually, verbally, sometimes through abuse. Satan has his different weapons, his different daggers. It looks different in every single person, but all of a sudden abuse comes in. Abuse begins to work in our lives, work in other people's lives, and there is a real victim here. And uh, we're going to look at abuse in, in several different ways. Uh, again, we're going to use this as a broad topic uh, because abuse can be mentally, it can be physically, it can be sexually, it can be spiritually. The, those are really the big four categories that, that you can go through when it comes to abuse. And so instead of us uh, addressing each one of those four categories, our goal today is to sort of give a uh, talk through what abuse is and then how we can work through abuse, how we can work through if we have been abused or if we know someone in the church that has been abused and how that looks in our life. And so, Brett, what, what are some of your opening thoughts as we begin to go through the thought of abuse? Like you said, there's so many different forms of abuse, uh, physical, sexual but then, you know, people don't realize the the emotional abuse that can be put on someone, the spiritual abuse uh, that can be put on. And, you know, some put on people, you know, sometimes when a, a victim comes forward, it could be years after the abuse happened. And when that happens, people's knee jerk reaction is to say, oh, well, that's not real. It didn't happen. Why didn't you say anything while it was going on? Well, the thing is that in abusive situations, there's fear in there. There's there's fear that, you know, you know, if if this comes out, it's going to ruin my life. If uh, this comes out, you know, it's going to make the situation worse for me. 
And other times there are people that are in abuse and they're so indoctrinated. And this goes especially with with church, uh, spiritual, emotional abuse. They're so indoctrinated in the church that they're in that they don't realize they're being abused. Yeah. And this is kind of the uh, some of the things that, that I went through uh, in my situation is I didn't real I thought I was being treated the way the Bible said I was supposed to be treated. I thought I was being treated normally. And I didn't realize that I was being emotionally abused and spiritually uh, and verbally abused. I didn't realize that until I had got out. Hindsight 2020, I look behind and say, man, all that stuff that I went through, that was wrong. I don't need to emulate that. I need to speak against that. And so, you know, we just need to be real careful on victim blaming because, you know, sometimes fear is a, fear is a big thing, uh, you know, and it when you uh, when you put on that badge of, OK, I, yes, I survived this. Well, that stays with you. And or some people can feel it'll stay with you the rest of your life. It doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to become your identity. Um, and this really is Satan's silent assassin. Yeah. Uh, abuse is a big deal. It's something we got to talk about. It's something that the church and Christians have swept under the rug for too long. And uh, we have to bring awareness to the situation so other people can realize, man, I'm in an, I'm in an abusive situation. I need to get out of it quick. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You said one thing. You said manipulation. Oftentimes, manipulation is a way that is a, a term that we've heard recently in the political years, a prid, pit, prid, blah, 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 uh, a uh, prid quo quo. Right. Yeah, where this for that. You do this and you'll get that. And uh, all that is is manipulation is, you know, I'm going to give you this. And in order for me to give you this, I'm going to need this in return. We do this as parents all the time without even realizing it. Uh, You know, go clean your room and I'll give you a cookie. Go go do this and we'll and all of a sudden we are indoctrinating and, and programming our kids to respond to manipulation. And then all of a sudden they get into the real world. They get into a situation where someone uses manipulation well they're used to it right we've trained them to be accepted to manipulation and oftentimes uh we we're gonna use the term grooming we're grooming our kids to accept this manipulation that happens in the real world and uh it falls back on us as parents as we must parent right we must lead well and uh, one of the things that if you are a parent, if you are uh, wondering, you know, how do I know if my child's been abused? How do I know if my friend has been abused or if there's something there? Uh, one uh, one way to do this is is observe what's going on around them and how they are. Watch for changes of moods. Look at their activities. Look at what they're participating in. Are they withdrawing from things? Where is their uh, – are they just apathetic about life? Do they not care anymore? Uh, all of a sudden, these symptoms begin to come up. They begin to be absent from work or school. They begin to uh, not be a part of things they once were a part of. And so you can begin to say, okay, why is this? Is this a red flag? Is this just someone going through a rebellious state? Or is there a legitimate red flag that is popping up that you can begin to address and be there to ask, be there to be that person to go to and say, hey, 
Why are you withdrawing? Why are you pulling away from people? And you be proactive. Step in there. Be their advocate. Step in and say, what's going on? And begin to have compassion, show grace. And ultimately, if you think there's abuse there, report it. Go to the authorities. Go to the police and say, hey, I've got a legitimate concern here. It may be wrong. Maybe there's something. Maybe I'm not right. But I would rather err on the side of caution. And uh, something's not looking right in this situation. Will you investigate it? Nine times out of ten, the police are going to investigate it. You have to remember that, you know, if you're seeing these signs, you got to remember that these this person is getting beat up, you know, if not physically, verbally, emotionally. In our schools, bullying is bigger now uh, than it's ever been. And so you have to be aware. And uh, you, when you you have to give the opposite attitude, you got to give love, you got to give compassion. Uh, you know, your concern for this person has to come across uh, loud and clear. And what you said, I think, is just so important. And I just want to be an advocate for this is just you've got if you see think something's going on, especially some kind of child abuse or some kind of uh, physical sexual abuse, you have to report it. You you know, you are a mandated reporter, um, especially if you're a pastor or anyone that's dealing with any type of abuse. Uh, when you hear that, you have to report it to the authorities. Um, and so that's just something that that we have to do. And a lot of times people want to blame the victim that, you know, it it's it's your fault. And part of my testimony and, you know, I probably have mentioned this on the podcast already, but I'll go into it again is, um, you know, I was, you know, physically abused as a child. And my dad found out that I was being physically abused and he he kept me, didn't send me back home. And so then we got the lawyers involved. We went to court and uh, I went back to my situation uh, with my stepdad at the time. And he, not my current, but my the one I had lied to and said, if you get up on that stand and you tell the truth, uh, they're going to take you away from your mom and they're going to take you away from your dad, mm-hmm. which was a straight up lie. I was being manipulated. And yeah. so I got up there on the stand and, you know, I have these adults dr- with their eyes on me. You know, I'm just a, a little kid and I've got these their their eyes on me. And so, you know, I said, ask the lawyer to to send the adults out of the room. And the reason why. I wanted the adults to go out of the room was because I knew my dad was going to be in there and I didn't want to look at his face mm-hmm. when I lied on the stand because they, he had manipulated, he had manipulated my stepdad at the time had manipulated me into thinking that if I told the truth, I wouldn't see either one of my parents. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted my dad out of the room where I could lie. And so all the adults left the room. I lied to the judge. I told the judge that my mom had had spanked me, that it wasn't him. And uh, it, you know, it all, you know, I I straight up lied to the judge because I was being manipulated to do so. Mm-hmm. But I've been through that. And so if there's one thing I can't stand is threatening a child, manipulating a child, uh, that physical abuse. I've, I've had a taste of that in my past. And um, it's just uh, not justified when you manipulate children like that. Yeah. 
I hate that. I hate to hear that. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to say later, but I'm going to say now because you brought that up, is if you say nothing, nothing can be done. If you say nothing, nothing can be done. If you know that someone is abused, if you know that something is going on and you don't say anything, no one is going to be able to do anything because you didn't speak up. You didn't You didn't do your duty in protecting that other person. And uh, I'm going to say that later in another area, but again, I want to say it now to, to help us as well. Uh, one of the things that as we talk through abuse, uh, whether it's current, recent, or took place even years ago, victims often believe, and you'll hear this so often if you watch documentaries, I watch documentaries all the time, Brett, you will hear people say, well, there's something that I did wrong that had that is the reason this happened to me, or, or it's my fault. I, if I if I wouldn't have went to that party, if I wouldn't have done that thing, then this wouldn't have happened to me. And oftentimes that's not the case. Oftentimes the case is the abuser was doing things to this person and making them feel like it was their fault. Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, just this week and uh, uh, thinking about having them on here. Uh, don't know if I'm going to endorse them yet. I'm still listening to them. Uh, but one of the ladies that's on this podcast said, uh, if it's a minor, it's always wrong because minors can't consent. Minors cannot consent to anything sexually. And so whether a minor comes on to you or not, it is always the adult's fault because a minor can't consent. Right. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that adult will make it feel like it's the child's fault. They did something wrong, and so they're getting punished, or that that's what they need to do. And so they will oftentimes victimize someone in order for them to feel right. Uh, but abuse is never biblically justified. Uh, and so we have to understand that when we go through abuse. We have to understand that uh, there is grace in God's word. And uh, we're still going to transfer over to this at this point of uh, okay, what if you are being abused in church? What if it's spiritual abuse? What if it's physical abuse? What if it's in a school, uh, public school, maybe it's in a workplace you're being abused as an adult? Uh, how do we handle abuse? What do we do and how do we respond when abuse happens? Brett, why don't you start with the first one? We got six things here that we've uh, looked through and uh, we're going to talk to them here. I want to I want to say a quick word. Or, to yeah, somebody. go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I want that to somebody who may be going through abuse right now, and just kind of feel like there's no hope. And I I want to say a word to just say there's always hope, you know. And some people when they when they have this sense of hopelessness, they want to resort to desperate measures, and you know that's when we need to point them to the love of Christ, you know, as the good shepherd. Um, and I want to say, don't make permanent decisions based on temporal circumstances. You know, um, it's there's always hope. Christ is our hope. And I think the first thing that you know we need to you know remind somebody who's going through this is that look, you know, receive God's healing and grace. 
that's the first thing you need to do as an abuse victim. God's healing grace is 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 there for you. Um, abuse abuse shatters the heart, but grace heals hearts. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Psalm one forty seven three says, uh, "Who God who healeth the bro broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds." Well, you know, healing you don't get healed overnight. You break your arm, you're not going to be good to go the next day. Healing takes time. And, and there are many factors that depend on when a person heals and that, you know, the kind of abuse it was, how long uh, the abuse went on, the nature of the abuse. But we have to keep turning to God for his grace because God will never turn away from us. He'll never he'll never turn away from you. Hebrews 13, 5, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, Psalms 46.1. You know, listen, God's grace will heal you, but that's where you need to have faith. The avenue to God's grace is our faith, okay? Faith is a good thing, but faith, just for instance, faith doesn't save you. It's Jesus that you put your faith in. It's the foundation of your faith. Well, how you get God's grace, the avenue through that uh, to get God's grace is your faith. So you got to have faith uh, that God's healing grace will be there for you because he's got plenty of it. Absolutely. Uh, I like what uh, a friend of mine said at a funeral the other day. Grab hold of God's amazing, abundant bowl of grace. It's like this Jethro Bowl style family meal, massive bowl. Uh, it's like the, the bottom never runs dry when you're eating at grandma's house of a, her ma big old bowl of mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. It's like it's just never ending. And that is God's grace. Like it's never ending. It's always there for us. It's never going to run out. It's never going to stop being good. It's never going to stop. Uh, being fresh it's always there and it's always for us we just have the opportunity to reach out and say am i going to take a hold of that grace because Amen. god's given it to us for so freely uh next one we'll look at is god's love is unconditional and unchanging god's love is unconditional and unchanging he loved us while we were yet sinners uh, i tell this to my kids all the time my my love for you doesn't change it's not going to end and God's love is so much greater than that. He loves us even when we were sinners. Uh, listen to Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord has appeared to the age of to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn you here. Yeah, Satan's going to try to get us to doubt God's love. Satan's going to try to get us to say, you know what? God's love, you he doesn't love you no more. You screwed up. You've messed up. You've really done something wrong. You don't deserve what, what God's going to give you. God hates you. you. You don't deserve this. Look, I mean, look at the life of Job. What did Job's wife say? Uh, if God really loves us, why don't you just curse God so you can go ahead and die? Look what you're going through. And God said, no, no, no. Or Job said, no, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. He reigns on the just and the unjust. And when we begin to understand that Satan is a liar, Satan is not telling the truth. Satan is 
trying to, again, manipulate us so that we'll believe that God doesn't love us, that God's love is is unchanging or changeable. But when we remember, even in an abuse situation, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's why I started out by reading Romans 8, because that is such a powerful passage when we begin to think through how much does God love me? Neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will separate us from the love of God. God's love is so much bigger than we can ever ask, think, or even imagine. It's just us grabbing a hold of his love and saying, God, I need that. God, give me more of your love. And he wraps his arms around us like only he can and gives us the grace that we need in that situation. So so remember, as, as Brett said, understand that God gives healing grace, but he also loves us unconditionally. He doesn't need us to change because he's not changing. And so God comes and he loves us and he cares for us as a father loves his child. You know, just to reiterate what you just said, you know, Satan's MO, you start from Genesis, you read through the Old Testament, you read through the Gospels, all the way to the end of the Bible. Satan's MO is to call God a liar. Yeah. When he's the liar, but he calls God a liar. He says, God left you. God abandoned you. You went through this because God allowed it to happen. Uh, But what he doesn't show us and what we need to think about and remember is all the good things that he's that he that he has done for us. You know, I think about, you know, my family that I have and my kids and I think about the situation that I'm in right now and the church where he has me at. And these are all good things that God has, has given us. But on even going further than that, he has done something good for you because he died for you. He gave his son. Jesus shed his blood. He died on a cross. He rose again. We have salvation for eternity in heaven. We have all the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness, all of these things that we have access to. So these are all good things that God has done for us. So never think that, oh, where is God? He hasn't done anything for me. He has. Mm -hmm. He's done all these things for us. Because he loves us. Right. Now, another thing. Go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. Uh, Another thing that uh, we want to mention, another help here in the situation, is do not remain in a place of danger. You know, if, if there's a current physical situation or sexual abuse situation that that you're going through right now, you really need to remove yourself from that situation and and what can sometimes keep us in these situations is 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 guilt um and things such as that if you're and if you're aware of abuse happening especially to a minor you have to report it we've already mentioned that um even abuse you know towards you that took place in the past you may spare other victims by reporting the abuse to someone who can prosecute like you said, if you like you said earlier, if you say nothing, nothing can be done. And listen, I know I'm a pastor and I preach the Bible and I know uh, our stand on divorce. Now, there are there are 
biblical exceptions for divorce. Uh, I understand that, but we're, I'm talking specifically, but you know, probably a view situation between never advise somebody to stay in an abusive situation ever. I will never advise that. I'll never say, oh, well, he's your husband, so you need to stay there and you need to pray for him. And if there's a, a, a physically abusive, any kind of a, any kind, not just physically, but any kind of abusive situation, I'm never going to advise somebody to stay in that situation. I'm going to say, look, we'll figure it out later. You know, you need to remove yourself from the situation. Then we'll reassess and, and, and go from there. We'll look at the word of God. And we'll figure it out. But me personally, I'm never going to advise somebody to stay in an abusive situation. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things, and you hit on it just for a second there, I want to hit before I go to the next point, is when we report an abuse, whether it was five minutes ago or whether it was 50 years ago, the likelihood, and I'm sure I could find the statistic for it, I've heard it somewhere, the likelihood of an abuser only having one victim is so small when we report something and we say, you know what, this person at work, uh, abused me 50 years ago. I just want to tell the police that, okay, it's on the police's radar. They're going to start looking into it. And all of a sudden they're going to begin to look into it or, or someone else now who maybe they abused five minutes ago begins to have comfort in moving forward. Now there's a pattern, there's a track record. We can begin to put the pieces together of how many actual victims there are. But when we don't say anything, we allow that abuse to continue to perpetrate. We allow that abuser to continue to have more and more carnage behind them because we didn't step up and say something. That's why it's so important to stand up. And that's why it's so important to say, Yes, this person abused me. Yes, this happened in my life. And and don't be afraid of the uh, of the pushback or the blowback because you are going to help someone else out by you coming forward. And so that's why it's important to come forward. Uh, the next thing, oftentimes, Brett, we're going to want to take matters in our own hands. Okay, we're going to want to say, I want to get justice. But biblically, we must trust God to bring justice. One of the most horrific things that we can do is is have uh, abusive injustice. And Satan's going to say, well, if you go to the authority, uh, they're not going to believe you anyways. Again, Satan's a liar. He's going to try to get you not to go to turn this person in. He loves lies. He's going to tell lies all the time. And all of a sudden, they're going to begin to have us believe in our mind that God's not going to be bringing justice. I've got to take justice in my own hands. The truth is God will always, always bring justice in his time. He loves you. He always has. And it's impossible for us to understand why evil seems to triumph. But what we do know is that it's beyond our understanding. We can trust God to bring justice. We can know that he brings justice. Uh, a scripture here, 1 Peter 2, 23, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to do do to him. Sorry, sorry, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. Recompense uh, Romans twelve. Recompense no man evil for evil. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place under wrath. 
For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. We must trust the Bible to be true. If the Bible's true about our salvation, if the Bible's true about God's son coming into this world and being born of a virgin and and dying for our sins and then rising from the dead three days later and the church being started in the upper room. And if the Bible is true about all those other things, it's also true about God taking his vengeance out on those that are evil. And he says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. God's vengeance is a whole lot different than my vengeance. It's going to look different than my vengeance. But when I trust the Lord, the Lord brings healing. The Lord brings grace. The Lord brings comfort. And it's trusting in him to take care of those things. You know, I've I've never, Brad, I've never been in a situation where, uh, and, and, you know, I, we live in a depraved world. We live in a sinful world. And I'm sure one day I'll, this will, uh, I'll have to come face to face. But I've never been, a, I've never had a child abused. I've never had a, a drunk driver kill one of my kids. I've never, never had this, but I think one of the beautiful pictures of grace and mercy that's shown is that mother whose son was killed by a drunk driver, that mother whose son was killed by a drug addict or something that some, some bad story that happened. And they've got the video of, of that, that person being sentenced and that mother standing up and giving her advocate statement, that mother looking at that person and saying, I forgive you. You took the greatest thing from me and I forgive you because the Lord forgave me of my sins and I care about who you are, man. When you, it, it tears me up. I'm, I'm coming to tears just thinking about it right now because uh, I'm, I'm thinking about my own kid. I'm thinking about if this were to happen to my kid. Could I forgive that person? I should be able to God's forgiven me. Why can't I forgive them? But to see that and then to see the person that did that evil, horrible act, see that forgiveness and see their life change in that moment. Uh, it's just such a great picture of what God's done for us. That type of forgiveness you're talking about, um, that kind of forgiveness does not come naturally. No. Because because so many people can look at somebody that does that. I've seen those videos and say, there's no way that I could do that. And And they're right. There's physically, humanly no way that you can do that because that type of forgiveness does, is not natural. That type of forgiveness is supernatural. Absolutely. That type of forgiveness only comes through the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to me. Bitterness is a cancer. Bitterness will consume your life. Bitterness makes you a slave to your abuser. If you are bitter at your abuser, then you will be their slave and they will control your life for the rest of your life. You only have freedom to if you forgive them. Now, I'm not saying to ever trust them again, because even Jesus didn't trust certain people. And it says that in the Gospels. But but forgiveness frees you from that bitterness that will destroy your life. You have to remember, just like James, what you said earlier, I want to reiterate, we can look all through the Bible and we can see that God keeps his promises. Every promise that he has made us up to this point has come true. 
And that gives us faith that the promises that he's made for our future will also come true. And I think the promise of all promises past our salvation, past our assurance, the promise of all promises is in, in, is in the end where it says he will wipe every tear away. And to me, what that phrase means, I will wipe every tear away. What that means is God will come in like a superhero. He's yeah. going to right every wrong. Everybody that that will that that the abuser will be judged. The abusee will be exalted and uplifted. And God is going to come in, wipe every tear away, right every wrong. And as Christians, we have faith beyond human comprehension that God can do these things. One of the next counseling helps uh, that we have to go over today is listen, just some advice. Study the lives and the impact of people in Scripture who've experienced uh, abuse. The Bible is our guide, our manual. It, you know, if you've been through it, chances are there's somebody in the Bible who's also been through it. Listen, your abuser does not have the final state say in your story. God is the one that has the final say in your story. And all through the pages of Scripture, we see God overriding the evil purposes of an abuser and using a victim as a special part of God's plan. Uh, there are a few examples in the Bible. Joseph, uh, Joseph was abused by his brothers and, and Potiphar's wife and the jailers, and, and God used that in his life to exalt him and glorify God. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Uh, Naaman's wife's maid was a slave, a Jewish slave. She didn't... Yeah. He didn't have to say, uh, tell Naaman about the prophet who could heal his leprosy. Daniel uh, brought just as a slave into a foreign nation, made a eunuch to serve the kingdom. And but, you know, all this abuse. But God used Daniel in a mighty way. Esther, the apostle Paul, whenever everything that Paul went through and Paul talks about all the abuse and beatings that he received for the cause of Christ. And, of course, the, bis, the biggest example of all is Jesus Christ. Jesus is just our example of suffering and, and abuse. But listen, it, he could have escaped it, but yet he chose to endure it mm -hmm. because of his love you know, for me and you. And listen, this is what I love about the Bible it's what I love about the scripture is God didn't just doesn't just record the good things about people. God didn't just record the, you know, the great things, the good things, the clean things. God records the dirt. God records the bad. God records the embarrassing. He knows we're not perfect. And I believe that's why the people in the Bible aren't perfect either. That's exactly right, man, Brett. That's so good. Uh, you can't see it on. Uh, you're not watching the video, anyways. Uh, but on my bookshelf over here, to my uh, my far left over here, I've got a bookshelf just of most of them by Chuck Swindoll uh, of just biblical characters: David, Esther, Joseph, Jesus, uh, a couple other book studies of just characters of the Bible that are helpful for us just to go through, just to be able to look at their life and say, okay, how can this person's life help me? 
Uh, so it's such a great point. And the last thing we're going to look at is this find joy through an eternal perspective. This may seem impossible. Okay. In your moment of hurt and your moment of pain and your moment of abuse, it's impossible sometimes to think through the eternal plan that's laid out, but it frustrates the devil. The devil knows what's going to happen and he knows uh, what the future holds as well. And when we begin to think through the future, we begin to think through what happens in the future. I, I mean, think about Paul and Silas in Acts 16. The Philippian jailer beat Paul and Silas. They were bloody. They were put in jail. They were prisoners. They were abused. And yet they sang praises to God. They 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 worshiped the Lord in jail. Dirty, beat up, hurt, bleeding, uh, in pain, they still worshiped the Lord. They still found a way to think through the eternal perspective and say, God's greater than this. I'm going to worship him. And what was the result? The jailer and his entire household came to know Jesus, which is why Peter or why Paul uh, began to go to Philippian, but went to, Philippian, went to the Philippian place was because this is the Philippian jailer. Okay, Peter encourages Christians who are persecuted uh, in many different ways in First Peter like this. Yet, if any man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Because through Christ, we can give God the glory through everything we go through so important to have this eternal perspective of knowing that God's plan will work out differently than what we had maybe scripted out for our life. Okay. The abuse uh, are going to suffer. Uh, I'm sorry. The, abu- the abuse you have suffered may not be directly related to the persecution for the sake of the gospel, but it enables us to endure suffering in a massive, massive way. I want to read one last passage of scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, and just sort of encourage us with this. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but just for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which we have seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I want to encourage us to, yes, if you're abused, get away from it. But don't live as a victim. Don't live in a life that is perpetually a victim. In that mindset, I've been there. Brett, uh, my mom left. Uh, she she did some horrible decisions left my dad went through a went through a nasty divorce and I was the victim for 2 years of bitterness and I lived in that bitterness and it ate me up it ate me alive bread I couldn't function I couldn't I couldn't forgive my mom I said things to my mom I wish I could go back and and take back I can never take them back I'm sure she's forgot that I ever even said them but I'll never forget that I said those things to my mom because I lived as the person that was the victim of a divorced family. And I lived in it. And I, I embraced it. And I said, this is my life now. 
and oftentimes until uh, until God's help, God's working through Scripture and understanding what bitterness is in my life, that's when I began to see healing and forgiveness because I was able to work through through Scripture, through help of other people, working through not just focusing on the here and now, but focusing on the eternal and focusing on what God has done for us. And when we can get that in our grand scheme of things, we begin to see God's glory work in our lives. We begin to see that God is gracious and merciful to us, even in our deepest place. And God has a way of healing for us. We don't have to stay and live where we're at. We have a step forward of healing that Christ can offer. Amen. Amen. Such a good word. One final thought that I'd like to give, and I want to say a word to the Christian right now who is suffering or you've suffered abuse in the past or you're suffering abuse right now. Um, number one, God, of course, has a way of escape for you. Mm. Uh, but listen, the reason why you're suffering, I want to tell you that your suffering is not God's will. Okay. But what you have to understand, according to scripture, we live in a fallen world where humanity has free will and God knows that suffering is going to happen. But here's the thing about Christianity in Christianity. Suffering isn't pointless. Suffering has a point. Suffering has a purpose. When you suffer in any capacity, you take part in the suffering that Jesus went through on the cross. He can he can relate to you because of your suffering because he was abused and he was torn apart and he was destroyed. And here's one more thing that I want you to think about. When you suffer, you get a master's degree in suffering. So you can take that suffering that you went through and you can reach out to somebody else and you can pull somebody else out of an abusive situation. You can pull somebody else uh, out of the pit. You can you can bring God's grace and God's salvation and God's love to another person who's suffering because you now have a master's degree in suffering that you can use to help somebody else because our God is that powerful. He can take something bad and bring good from it. And in this world, that's something that we desperately need. So listen, if you've suffered this type of abuse and you've come out of it, praise the Lord, but just don't forget it's not pointless. It has a purpose and maybe the purpose is so you can help other people who've been through what you've been through. Man, that's so good. Love that. Love that. Love that. Hope we've helped you today. I hope you're enjoying this series as we're getting started in the in the church. Next week, we'll be having an interview with Jim Neuheiser, an old friend of ours, and uh, looking so forward to that. And uh, we, Brett, I'm working on another interview as well, possibly having told you this about abuse. And uh, so just trying to uh, give some good information here and help us out in so, so many ways. And so until next time, to God, not the pastor, be the glory. Found that healing and the tears fell down my face when I found my beginning that has no ending. 
listening to the For Freedom Podcast. If you enjoyed our content, do us a favor by liking, subscribing, or sharing our podcast on whichever podcast platform you use. Be sure to join us next time for the For Freedom Podcast.